Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey, y'all. This is Last Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys. And on this week's podcast, we are talking about your 19 and 38 Detroit Pistons. Uh, Ku Cahill joins me in place of Ben Gulker to talk about Seku's development, vibe check the locker room, and discuss Thon Maker looking like an actual asset. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, subscribe, and leave comments. Please leave comments on the discussion post on Detroit Bad Boys. That's the best way for us to have the conversation that we want to have around the podcast. In order to do that, though, you have to follow DetroitBadBoys.com, which you should be doing, because it's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this season. With all that said, it's time to go to work. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson, and tonight I am joined by Detroit Bad Boys writer and uh, WJR radio credentialed host of his own stuff, Ku Cahill. What's up, Ku? What's going on, everybody? Oh, man. Like, uh, So the big thing that's happening right now is the All-Star break, and none of the Pistons will be participated in the Rising Stars game. I did not watch a single solitary second of the Rising Star game, and I do not expect you to either. But I did watch the dunk contest. You have any thoughts on the dunk contest controversy, Koo? So, like, I didn't watch all of it because I was watching through a stream and, like, it kept going in and out. But I definitely, like, caught a majority of it. And I just got to say, Aaron Gordon got robbed for the second time. It's insane. I don't know if you, like, seen, like, all the, uh, like, investigation that's gone on with with the little – Dwayne Wade sabotaging it, but it's so clearly that he sabotaged it. It's just insane. No, they had the, so Ramon, Ramona Shelburne had a report like after the dunk contest that was like, actually the judges messed it up. They weren't clear on like who was supposed to give the nine and who wasn't because they wanted to do another round. They wanted to do another round. So somebody screwed up the scoring and all eyes laid on Dwayne Wade. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's it was definitely – I watched a little uh, Twitter video going over, and, like, if you just watch everybody's reaction, as soon as it goes up and they realize they did it wrong, all of them just immediately look over <laughs> Dwayne Wade. It's just – and he's already taken off his earpiece like he's ready for it to be done. He, <laughs> like, it's crazy. But, yeah, Dwayne, uh, Aaron Gordon – Reggie Jackson actually tweeted this out too, and I agree with him. Aaron Gordon has, like, three of the top ten dunks ever in a dunk contest. And I think he probably – him and Vince Carter probably are the best dunk contest, in my opinion, ever. And the dude doesn't have a single one. He's been, like, screwed over twice now. It's crazy. Because especially the 
the pass off the side of the backboard one he did with Marco Fultz, that was just insane. So like, and the fact that he got like, I believe they say he got he got three, uh, four straight fifties in like the regular rounds, and he ended up losing. That's that's crazy. Yeah, like to be fair to Derek Jones Jr., he had my favorite dunk of the night, the off the backboard over a guy. Yeah, that like that that's ridiculous. That's totally worth a fifty. Um, but at the same time, like he's he did kind of do the same dunk like three times, like a yeah. very impressive dunk, but like the the same dunk three times. And then once you bring out Taco, like you should win automatically. You cleared a seven five dude. Yeah, like yeah he yeah he ducked he ducked down, but like he ducked down to seven three instead of seven five. That's still really impressive. Yeah, it's crazy. Not to mention that Jones, Derek Jones, he like when he jumped over that guy. Not the I don't. It's not the one you're talking about, but he like pushed off the guy's shoulder too. So like, yeah, that's true. Yeah, he said after he said after the contest that oh, you know, they couldn't give him a fifty. He kind of clipped Taco, but like, dude, you like lifted off. You used your hand to lift off, and you got fifty for the thing. It's it's just a little crazy. Yeah. So like while we're doing all star stuff, what's your favorite all star memory, Koo? Okay, so like when you when you asked me this, I immediately like thought of a specific like all the way back to my childhood i remember uh, i don't know how how long ago it was how old i was but i remember seeing rondo and kd go back and forth in a horse contest i don't know what happened to that i don't know if that was like the first time it ever happened and the only time it ever happened but i remember them two going back and forth in a horse contest and i thought that kd i was like i take a guess like i was like eight or nine years old or something and i immediately thought i was like yeah kd's just gonna smoke him in this and like Ron, because they had, they eventually had to just go to three point because it was taking too long. It's like whoever missed the first three, or whatever. And I was like, yeah, Rondo's about to miss. And then Rondo missed, made like four straight, and I thought Katie was gonna lose. But yeah, that's probably the most fun I've like ever watched. Because that horse, I honestly wish the horse contest would come back. I thought it was pretty cool. Like they're missing like the horse and like the one on one contest, right? Like those yeah. both need to be like Friday things, and like you can't go too deep into either because these guys are really good. So maybe you play pig instead of horse or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like. It it doesn't make sense that like we don't have like a one on one like challenge mode at All Star Weekend personally. Well, I mean, but, I guess Russell Westbrook isn't a big fan of it. Like he completely did you see him completely <laughs> shut down the reporter for asking? He shuts down anybody for asking anything. I'm not surprised. Yeah, I'm it's, definitely scared if he ever comes to any Pistons. Like when he shows up in a Pistons game, I'm not going in their locker room. I'm not going anywhere near him because he. I'm just worried that he's going to call me out just for being in the locker room. <laughs> Uh, my favorite all-star memory is also like way when I was younger. It's 2011, and Allen Iverson and Stephon Marbury brought the East back from like 20 down in the fourth quarter to beat the West by like a single point, and that was like that was like crystallizing that like AI was just like the coolest dude ever yeah. in my mind, and like that was his year, right? Like that was the year they went to the finals and everything. So. Is I, I in little dudes versus big dudes? They had the West had was playing like Chris Webber, Kevin Garnett, and Tim Duncan all at the same time, and it's like how can you ever beat that? AI, AI was just like going to the rim, and Steph was and Stephon Marbury was just like shooting threes. It was just it was the nuttiest thing I had my like eleven year old brain had ever seen, and like that will forever <laughs> be like etched in my memory. Yeah, yeah, but like you know that's a positive All Star note, but like on the negative All Star note, like. No Pistons are in the All-Star game. We talked a little bit about Sfi in the Rising Stars game. And then we got a question from uh, fearless leader at Detroit Bad Boy, Sean Corp. Who's the next Detroit Piston All-Star going to be? Like, Sfi, like, we're not talking about, like, 
weekend participant, like something like Luke Kennard in the three point shootout or Sveen Rising Stars or anything like that. Like who is the next all star, all star, no injury replacement piston gonna be in your mind, Ku? So like when I got this question, this just it just it it shows how grim the future is because my answer it like took me like five to ten minutes to come up with the answer and then the answer itself already is grim. So like the only answer I could come up with is a future acquisition. Ooh. <laughs> like I wanted to say like I can't say Luke because you took out like all the three point content and all that. You're talking about like actual all star game and like I don't believe Luke will get to that level. I'm not sure he would get I, I just don't believe he could probably get to that level. I was my first answer was actually Derrick Rose because I thought that if he like cause he was pretty close this year, I guess. He kinda had like a little uh little run and he always has the fans behind him. And if he's on the team next year, he's still here. He's still gonna have the same fan support and maybe he can slip in, I guess. But like Seku, that would be like five years down the line, maybe like four four years if that if he reaches his potential. So like I just couldn't think of any, so I just said a future acquisition, maybe a future rookie, a trade or something. I just I I mean I guess you could probably say Blake, but I I'm I'm operating under the assumption that Blake's just not going to be right ever again. So I yeah it's pretty grim. Oh man, that is such a depressing answer. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it's not the wrong answer though, right? Like if you're optimistic, you absolutely say Seku, but you're right in that like that's probably going to be like a five year down the road type of deal and so like then you would jump to luke but like yeah it, luke would have to score like 28 points a game for him to be like in all-star consideration yeah. and like that's possible but that's a, like that's the outer bounds of like what i think it's reasonable to expect from luke and so then you're like well it's not gonna be anybody else in this team maybe and so it's like well could it be like this year's first round draft pick it's like maybe, but that guy's on the same timeline as Seku probably, where it's like gonna be another four or five years. And so like, yeah, it's it's looking grim. Personally, I think you have to answer Seku just because like maybe we get like a Jason Tatum thing where he's just way better in year three than we had any right to expect. Mm-hmm. And so like maybe maybe you end up with one of those. But like, yeah, like otherwise the the future is looking is looking pretty dark in uh, in Detroit Pistons fandom. Yeah, it, the whole Detroit sports, not even just the Pistons, just everything's looking dark. Oh, um, and uh, yeah, I don't like. I stopped paying attention to a bunch of other Detroit sports simply because like I don't live in Detroit anymore, so I don't have like I'm not in that bubble. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, from what I can tell, everybody is uh everybody's not having a great time over uh over up yeah, in Detroit. I don't even I don't pay attention to much else outside the Piston lines, anyways. I just saw the tweet. I know you've probably seen the tweet that like shows. Like the Detroit sports had the most losses in a single year in sports history. Yeah. Yeah, pretty bad. Yeah. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. So, like, you know, while we're trying to finish finish out this season, All-Star Weekend, uh, you know, finishes up tonight. But we're, we're recording this prior to the actual All-Star game, so we can't tell you who wins or loses. Uh, but, you know, the Pistons still have 25 games left in this season, 
what are you looking forward to or what are you watching to see uh you know progress in the rest of the season Koo? um again like the future is just so grim for this to have to be my answer so like the only thing i can really come to because i don't i because joe asked me this question on like our podcast like last week or two weeks ago and I originally said Bruce. I wanted to see if Bruce, like, I thought we were just going to give him the keys at point guard. I think this is actually before we traded Andre, and I was just like, you know, hopefully we auction off everybody, everyone leaves, and then we can just go into full rebuild. Bruce get point guard, full Bruce point guard minutes to see how it goes. Just if it fails, it fails. If, it, if he improves, he improves. But, like, obviously we didn't auction off everybody, and Derrick Rose is still here. So I couldn't go with Bruce. So I guess the only thing I can say is, I'll be watching if Seku can get over this like little slump he's in, and like I wrote about it a little bit for Detroit Bad Boys, but I think it's real con- I, not a real concern, but a little bit of a concern that Casey has called him out twice now in like the past what like three weeks, and over that time he's also played like hot garbage. So like I, we all expected a rookie wall, but I, I guess I'll be watching to see if he can get over it and like not get called out by his coach again for the rest of the season. Yeah, like it's so actually let's let's talk about that because like that was the next thing I want to talk about anyway. Like you did have that piece in Detroit Bad Boys that was a like well put together piece and you did kind of point out like yo like this is something that Dwayne Casey has talked about multiple times. It hasn't just been Seku. Like there was one game where he called out Jordan Bone and Lewis King and Seku because yeah. they were all like unprepared or something. But like you know, it it has something that we definitely been noticed like over the last couple of weeks. That's not to say Seku's play hasn't deserved being called out, but like at the same time, like you have a lot of people who, you know, since this season is a lost season, you would expect to see Seku playing like, you know, 30, 32 minutes a night just because like if, if nothing else, like that's what his this that's what the rest of the season is for, is for that development time. So when you're in the locker room, you're at you're at most of the games, you you see these guys. Do you, do you feel like do you get the sense that like the the guys are okay with the way that Casey is handling Seku? I mean, well, just to hit on something you mentioned just like right before that. Um I was told I've been told multiple times by people in the press room and other other reporters there and journalists there. I've been told multiple times cuz there's no I believe most of them follow me on Twitter and they know I retweet a lot of your guys' stuff and everybody's everybody's uh, stuff on Twitter about this whole situation. And they know that I'm not I'm not a huge fan of the way Casey has been handling things. But they've told me recently, especially, that one of them actually compared it to, I said this in the article, that if your son keeps stealing from the store, you're going to keep rewarding him for that. Or And then they kept saying, and then another thing they kept telling me is that, you know, there's still veterans on here. And one of the main, that's one of the main things they, they were pointing out to me before the trade deadline was that, you know, you don't worry about it after the trade deadline. There'll be plenty of minutes for all of them because the veterans will be gone. But right now with the veterans on the, on the team, Casey can't just sit all the veterans and piss off the whole locker room. Like, you can't just do that. You guys don't understand that over there on Twitter. You guys don't get that he has to manage the locker room too. And I understood that after hearing that. But now after the trade deadline with it gone, uh, the veterans are still here. And now it's like, coach has to do something because the front office didn't save him from himself and get rid of the veterans. So like, I don't know, but with the whole, the way he treats Seku, um, it's, I mean, I don't see anybody in the locker. I mean, the locker room hasn't been very, I don't want to make it seem like I'm some like mind reader or anything, but like, it's never been like too grim in there, but it's also never been too joyful in there either. It's just like, eh, 
game's over. All right, everybody, let's get it going. And, you know, I don't really see anybody too upset with the way things are going, especially actually one person who I know for a fact has, like, grown and matured through the way Casey's treated him is Christian Wood. Like, he's matured throughout the season. He seems to have a much more self-awareness. So I obviously worked with him. Whether it worked with Seiku, we're going to need a little bit more time. But I don't see anybody really, like, upset with anything. Seiku actually – Seiku usually is out the locker room before we can even get back there. So take that for what you want. I don't, I don't think that means anything. But he, I, it's hard to get a read on him because he's usually gone before any of us even get in the locker room. No, yeah, that's totally fair. I remember after the Boston game, that which was in Boston – uh, like there was the infamous tweet from one of the Boston guys that was like they informed Seku that like because he scored a career high like twenty four points like he had to do the media yeah. and he responded by like turning his music all the way up it was like yeah. so I understand that like maybe he's not like the most uh, accessible dude in the locker room and that makes sense but like it is good to get that sense of like how the guys in the locker room are doing even if the report is that like you know the it just it's just kind of meh. Because, like, honestly, the way the way this season has gone, like, you could forgive some of the guys if they were a lot more negative, like, you know, privately uh, than they are, than they have been. No, but yeah. Like, yeah. Even... Go, ahead. Go ahead. No, yeah, they haven't even been, like, like, I was expecting, like, obviously, this is my first year doing something like this. So, like, when I was in there and they, like, won that big losing streak, the only time this season that I've seen, like, legit, like, anger and uh like negative negativity in the locker room just like oozing out was when was when Blake kind of like I felt like kind of took a shot at the coaching staff after the game and because one of the game I forget which game it was Dwayne Casey said that they all need to be all the players need to be better they need to be on the better same uh, on the same page etc and then we went to the locker room and then they reiterated that to Blake and they asked him, what do you think about that? And Blake responded with, I think we all have to be better. And then just like after that, no one had anything to say. I think that was the only time anyone has sensed any kind of like negativity and like frustration just oozing out because it was clear Blake was pissed. But mm-hmm. like outside of that, I mean, yeah, like I said, it's just been like really meh, like nothing too high, nothing too down. Everyone just gets their stuff, gets out. I mean, and another thing, they, they're not really too like usually you think that like if they lose and they like playing this way, they don't really want to talk to media. That's not the case. I, I've talked with Bruce, Bruce, a few, uh, Bruce a few times after a loss, and he's, like, not, like, mad about it or he's really nice about it. Langston, too. Like, all of them, it's just, like, mess. It's like, oh, yeah, we lost, you know, sucks, but we're going to keep it going. I mean, like, yeah, and again, like, that's – I mean, like, that's better than it being bad, but it's not as good as well. I guess it's weird if they were like super gung ho about losing, right? Like that would be yeah. super weird. But like, yeah, it's just like that. That is one thing I'm a little not worried about. But like, you know, when Casey has like talked about this multiple times, like on these like multiple game losing streaks, like that can really like bring down a locker room. And so, like, you know, I'm trying to avoid those. They're, like, on a four-game losing streak now. And, like, they play Milwaukee and then, like, go on a four-game road trip right after this. So, like, it it could get really ugly really quickly. And and so, like, that's something I'm continuously just worried about. Because, again, like, if, you know, they have a bunch of dudes who, uh, like, have been really professional, which is good. But, like, this is, like, losing is a hard environment for, your young dudes to, to 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 grow up like in an NBA way in right like uh, yeah. like it's tough on like Bruce it's tough on like Luke you know who hasn't even like who 
I'm sure it's very frustrating because like he hasn't even been able to play and like stem some of this. It's frustrating for Seku. It's frustrating like, like it's his first year over here and like he's like you know over in like a country that's like not his own and he's just like losing a bunch and like he's not playing particularly well. Like I can see why he would be like very frustrated about that. And and so like I'm I'm always just like keeping one one eye on that like as we go along. But like you, but like you said, like there there have been success stories, right? Like Christian Wood has played well. Um, you know, we're going to talk about another guy who's played well in the in the not too distant uh, past coming up in a little bit. But yeah, like I'm I'm, and on the other hand, like the way that Casey is handling Seku is like the way he's handled everybody. So yeah. it's not like he's like singling Seku out for you know poor behavior because of you know his status as a draft pick or anything like that or because he's like you know not as familiar with him or whatever like you you pointed out he treated christian wood this way right like you will go back to toronto like casey infamously like didn't really trust Jonas valanciunas and uh like needed demar Derozan to like step up and be more vocal as a leader before he like really trusted him and so it's like this is the way that like he operates like whether or not you know you find that desirable in a coach is like a whole different thing but like at least he's consistent i can i can appreciate the the consistency because like that means like i know what i'm gonna get if i don't like it like you can you know ask the front office to do something about that not that i'm saying that the front office should do something about that but as as long as he remains consistent in his treatment of the dudes like i don't think that's unfair you know yeah i feel you actually uh i somewhat disagree with that is this is the thing. So I understand, like you're completely correct that he treats everybody like that, like legit. He there's no one that he holds punches back for. And I think it's kind of like how Stan Van Gundy was too. Like Stan Van Gundy held no punches back. Like he's not as aggressive as Stan was. Like Stan would straight up just like go go straight for you. Like you could ask him a straight up question, yeah. he would not sugarcoat anything <laughs> he, at all. Yeah, he didn't care. Yeah, he just did not care. But Dwayne Dwayne is like a a nicer version of that, but like, he's very consistent. He treats everybody the same way. My one concern is, and it, it's kind of like a concern I had before we even hired him because like, like, uh, like you you probably already know, uh, Joe, he already, he wrote something before we hired him about why we shouldn't hire him. And like, I read that. And then after the first season, like I kind of saw it. My one concern is, is that you can't treat every player the same way because not every player can be, responds the same way to something. So that's my one concern with the way he's treating Seiku because, like, he pointed out himself even in the conference that everyone, like, lost it over when he was like, oh, he's 19. He should be having all the girls. He should be all happy. Which, by the way, they completely took his quote out of context. I'll say that. They they st- they stopped it after he said that girl comment. That was just completely not what he was trying to say. Like, if you listen to the whole quote, you know what he was trying to say. But, like, he hit on it when he was talking about that. Like, this is his first time over here in the United States. He he. He had a barrier he had to break. He didn't speak well, uh, fluently English-wise. And then, like, so to be calling him out, like, in the press conference, like, calling him out for that specifically, I kind of, I mean, I, I kind of don't like it because I feel like it kind of, like, puts him out on the on the burner, like, airs out his laundry. Because I, I got to be honest, like, if you drop me over in, like, let's say, like, you drop me over in France and then, like, next, like, in a couple weeks, Everyone says something about, yeah, you know, he has a barrier, he has to break. He doesn't even know us really that well. Doesn't even, like, know what's going on around you that much. And he's playing like garbage. So, you know, he really has to get better with that. I kind of would probably feel a little shot taken at me. I wouldn't really like it. But I, he is consistent. I just, I'm a little bit worried that he shouldn't, 
every player it shouldn't be treated the same way because other some players like react differently. So there's some players you have to like treat differently. But I don't know. Like it's only been a couple weeks with Seiku in the lineup, so like I said, we won't really be able to tell how this affects him until like longer down the road. But I don't. I just don't know how I feel about it exactly yet. No, yeah, that that is a good point and like one I hadn't like fully internalized or considered. So I'm glad you brought it up. And like you run into trouble with that just like in general when uh dudes who are stars get like favorable treatment, but like yeah. the team still isn't playing well and like, that that causes locker room like division, but like they don't have to worry about that because like their star in Blake Griffin is hurt and and so it's more like they're not they're not uh they're not coddling Seku, but they're not like uh they're not like blasting him constantly either, right? So like it it, it is kind of in the middle. So I see where you're coming yeah. from, absolutely. Do you do you think the way to play this though is to to send Seku down to Grand Rapids? You had a tweet about that, you had a poll about that a couple days ago, and you know, people seem kind of divided on that. I, I'll say I don't agree with sending him down, but I see why people would want to send him down. Or, like, I see why it, people think it's not that big of a deal to send him down. Like, you know, he gets a minute, he can build his confidence back up, blah, 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 and then he can come back up. But, like, the thing is, there's a few things. One, he was already, like, pretty much dominating the the G League. Like, he wasn't, like, putting up 30 points a game, but he was already showing that, like, he was too good for them. Like, he had already, like, done everything, like, he needed to do down there when he was down there before he came up, like there was nothing else. Like he basically, I felt like that after seeing him that long, he needed to come up and get NBA Mitch because he's already proven everything he needed to prove down there. Like there's nothing else he could have gained from being staying down there. He had already like went through that process. So I don't think there's much to be earned from going down there. And two, um, I understand, like I hit on it a little bit earlier in the pod that, you know, the front office didn't save Casey from these veterans. Like, the veterans are still here, so now he has to, like, still play them. He can't just piss off the locker room. So, like, I understand that this may not be able to happen. But, like, the part of the thing is, it's obvious. The Pistons are rebuilding. Like, we're not trying to win anymore. It's, and even if we were trying to win, we wouldn't win. So, it's, like, not going to happen. This is a rebuild now. And in my opinion and most people's opinion outside of the uh, – I mean, everyone in Pistons Twitter, the fan base, everyone – Everyone pretty much thinks that, you know, it's the rebuild, let him play. Like, if he makes mistakes, so what? We're trying. We're not trying to win games. We're trying to grow our players. And I kind of agree. I fall in line with that. Like, I understand that he's not playing well, and you don't want to reward him for playing well. So, first off, let me just say, if he's not giving effort, and that's, like, the problem, then, okay, I can, you completely yank him from the game. Like, you can't have – I wrote about that, too. Like, that's the one thing young players should have over, like, other people when they go in the game. Effort and – uh and hustle like that's the one thing you can go and always have over everyone else like when you go in the fact that he doesn't show that then you can absolutely just sit him down he, he can't play like that but if it's just simple mistakes and he's making like he's not playing well I would just want him to ride through it because I mean he, yeah you can send him back down to the G League have him get his confidence back up for what just for him to come back up and make the same mistakes against NBA guys because they're not as bad as the people he was going against in the G League then his confidence just goes right back down and then you send him what you send him back to the G League again I just think that now that he's up, he should stay here and just let him let him fight through what's going on with it right now. Like, it's a rookie wall. Most rookies go through it unless you're Zion Williamson or John Morant. Most rookies go through it and just let him fight through it. Once again, if effort is the problem, then, yeah, he can't. you can't play him when he's just not – if he's not trying hard enough. But if his mistakes, just let him fight through it. And if he plays well, he plays well. If he struggles, he struggles. We, we only have 25 games left. 
develop him in the offseason, and then that's that. But I don't think that sending him back to, to the G League is the best option. No, for what it's worth, I totally agree with you, right? Like, for the exact case you laid out, right? Like, okay, it's to get his confidence, his confidence back, and then he gets his confidence back, and then he comes back to the NBA, and, like, he's still the same guy. Because, again, he had proven pretty much everything he needed to prove in the G League. So, yeah. like, yeah, I agree that, like, it doesn't make a lot of sense to send him down to Grand Rapids. Um, and the thing is, like, what I what worries me more is because, like, you're absolutely right in that, like, if he's not playing with, like, intensity and effort, then, like, he shouldn't play. But, like, that was a concern about him in general, like, prior to the draft. Is that, like, he didn't always play with energy and hustle, like, even over in France. And so it's like maybe that's just like not who this dude is, but like if that's the case, like that doesn't portend like amazingly for the future. It's like yeah. maybe he's like a silent assassin type deal, but like no, like a lot of the times, like you need guys to, especially guys when when you're as young and talented, but like your skill floor is where Sekou's is, like where you are going to make up a lot of the like a lot of your uh, progression is in like hustle and effort until you get better until you develop like a higher skill floor as a basketball player and like that is not going to happen the rest of the season right like that's going to take a couple summers and so like in the meantime like as, like before you become the silent assassin like you got to play your butt off because like that's how that's how you're going to succeed and that's going to make up the difference until you become more skilled and so like yeah i'm just i'm you know, this is we've talked about this for like a long time, and that's because like it is the main thing that matters this season is like how Seku is playing and like how he's feeling and like how the coaching staff is handling him. And like while I agree with most of it, like I am always just like keeping an eye on it, uh, maintaining a, a good look at it because it dictates so much of what this franchise's future looks like, right? If Seku tops out as like a role player. Like the franchise's future is even dimmer than it looks right now. And so like you got to do everything in your power to make sure that he flourishes and gets to like gets that all star level that we talked about at the beginning of the podcast. But um, but, you know, part of doing that is not like sending him back down to Grand Rapids. It's like helping him to to fight through this and, and get to a place where he can be relatively like effective more consistently because of like effort and hustle yeah and that's kind of that kind of makes me i mean i talked about it a little bit on twitter but that kind of is one of the reasons why i've lost a little bit of faith in this front office and whatever faith i had in casey and it's just because so like the excuse like i said before the trade deadline was you know he has veterans he can't piss off the locker room once he trade once the front office trades the veterans then he'll be able to play through his mistakes. He'll be able to play these minutes, blah, 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 because, you know, Casey doesn't have to play Marquise Morris. He doesn't have to play um, Derrick Rose. He doesn't have to play, uh, like, every, anyone else you want to throw out there. He doesn't have to play those guys. He can just play the young guys, let them fight through their mistakes. So, uh, okay, now the trade deadline's gone. These guys are still here. So now that either falls on. I mean, that, and then not to mention the fact that, I mean, uh, one of our friends, uh, Hal, on Twitter points this out a lot, that, Seku has spent a large majority of his minutes not even on the floor with Reggie Jackson, which is probably the best. Well, it's not probably. He is the best point guard probably for us. Like, Derrick Rose is going to go out there and score his points, but Reggie's probably the best point guard for, like, development purposes. And he hasn't even spent a lot of his minutes out there with Reggie, which kind of makes it harder on Seku already. But, like, outside of that, 
I, I kind of look at the front office with a side eye because, you know, if the whole plan was Casey can't play these guys how you guys want them right now because he has veterans, we're going we're gonna to take that away from Casey. So now he has to play the young guys. Then you don't do that. So either, like, I'm looking at Casey like, okay, you have to make a decision. Like, obviously, we're not trying to win no more. You just have to suck it up and deal with the, the veterans now and just tell them, listen, man, it, this is not the point of this franchise now. We have to go with the young route. Or you look at the front office like, listen, if, if he's not capable of doing that, why didn't you take that out of his hands? And is he really the guy for, that you want doing this right now? Which is a real – I've had questions about – maybe I'm looking too much into it because I've had questions about that even before this season. But, like, even this trade deadline made me really think about it even more in that kind of detail. Because especially with the four games out there with Sekou playing the minutes he's played, it's just I, – I don't really get it, but it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, like, in the Orlando game, right, like, Sekou was playing hard. He was giving a lot more effort. He was just, like, playing really badly. He missed that, He missed that like, transition uh, opportunity, and it was just, like, you, you. my heart broke for the kid because, like, you could clearly see, like, he's trying his butt off, and, like, it's still not working. Yeah. And so it's like it, that's just a rough deal, honestly. But, like, one guy who has found success under Casey has been, surprisingly, like, Thon Maker. Don Maker in the four games since the uh, before the All Star break, since the Drummond trade, averaging fourteen points, six rebounds, six rebounds, six whole rebounds, <laughs> uh, one point five assists, one point five blocks, almost to steal a game. He's shooting forty one percent from three. It, is this real, Koo? Um, him at that level, no, is not real. <laughs> that, that's just not real. But I will say, me and Joe have talked about it on our podcast a lot. Uh, he's actually played decently for a while now. And part of the thing is, and we've pointed this out a lot, is that Thon at center, no. Disaster. It's just like it, as soon as you put him at center, it's just a disaster waiting to happen. You might as well spot the other team 15 points while he's out there. It's just that's how bad it is at him at center. However, playing him with like another big guy who can do like the big guy things, like like for example, like the six rebounds per game, his – Career high in rebounds. He just broke like the other night. What was it? 10, 11. So, like, he can't, he's not a very good rebounder at all. And he struggles because of his strength and him just being skinny to body up bigger guys. So, if you play him with another guy who's capable of doing those bigger things and he's allowed to, like, do his strengths, which is roam around in defense and play help side defense, help side blocks, run around everywhere because he's long, athletic, plays hard, then he plays a lot better. So, like, before, I always wanted him to play with Andre. Before we trade Andre, we didn't do that because, you know, we didn't sign a backup center, which, again, a little curious. But uh, after trading Andre, he's been playing with Christian Wood, who I believe is averaging 10 rebounds a game. I think – I believe it's 10.3. I wrote about it. I think it's 10.3. But he's rebounding pretty well, and he's capable of doing more of the big guy things that Thon can do. And then that allows Thon to run around and, like, you know, help defense, do all those kind of things. So Thon at power forward with a guy like that, is actually a decent, decent option. I'm now let's not get ahead of ourselves. He's not some starter or even a high role player. Like end of bench guy, you can give him minutes and not have to worry about him just dying out there. Then yeah, that's he can do that. It's just when you put him at center, it's just like that's when everything falls apart. Yeah, so like that's what's interesting to me though, because like I I agree with you that Thon is not a center, but like I also think that Christian Wood is not a center. And so they're playing two dudes who aren't centers together and it's working. And like, I don't know how real that is. Right. Like I, I think that, you know, Christian Wood like gets a lot of his rebounds by like 
not necessarily like great positioning or anything, but by like being like really athletic and out leaping guys. Um, Thon gets a lot of his rebounds. Be, like he does a better job of like fighting for position, but he's just like skinny and gets like thrown out of the way a bunch. Yeah. And so like I don't know like long term, I don't think that's like a successful pairing, but it has made me interested in both of those guys individually, not necessarily together, but but individually. And so like you know Thon's you know Thon's coming up in restricted free agency. Um, I like highly doubt that you know any team is going to throw like a big money contract at Thon this summer. But like, you know, has this has how he's played so far and presumably like hopefully he carries this out for the last 25 games. Does that make you interested in bringing him back, you know, this this next season? Um that doesn't that isn't the reason why I'd be interested in bringing him back. Um cuz I've always like even before this season I wrote about how well him and Andre played together cuz once again he plays a natural center. So I've always thought that him next to a center he could be okay. So that's not the reason why I bring him back because the reason why I'd be somewhat interested in bringing him back if like all the other options fail, like he definitely should not be the first option to like bring back. But like if, if it comes up, it's because he's a great guy in the locker room and I've seen it. He's like a completely great guy, funny guy. He's really cool. He's uh, a good veteran for like the, even like he's young himself, but he like acts as a veteran presence for like the younger guys. He's really vocal, supportive. He's a really good guy to have in the locker room. So like he doesn't cause problems in the locker room. He's a good guy with everybody, gets everybody to get along, fun guy. And he if you have a, a center next to him, if you have a, a backup center in plan, like you've signed one, then it makes somewhat sense also on the court. So that's why I'd I'd be interested in bringing him back. But even if like if we don't sign a backup center, like an actual center, even with all that stuff he does in the locker room, I would not be interested in bringing him back because it's just gonna be this, like you said, I, I also don't believe that Christian Wood is a center long term so like if you don't have a center for him to play with it's going to be hard to convince me that he should probably be brought back other than locker room reasons all right cool like when when so like you know so after the all-star break when do you start doing your draft prep who do you like in this year's draft uh, i gotta be honest i don't do much draft prep at all i don't pay attention to college much at all uh, man, you better you better get ready because like that's that's what's coming up man yeah i've i've now yeah <laughs> I had someone tell me, let me know that a couple of weeks ago because usually, I like I said, I don't pay attention to college at all or do any draft prep because I don't feel like that. Like trying to analyze guys, like scout, not analyze, scout guys is like really my my strength. I'm not very good at it. But someone told me, like you just said, like you better get prepared because this is going to be your. This is now what the future. Now, like that's what you're going to be doing. Like there's no more of the the winning or trying to win at least. Like this is the future now. So, like, I guess I should probably get more into it or at least read more about it and try to read other guys' scouting reports on everything. But obviously, I just read some – I forget who it was. I want to give credit, but I forgot who it was. Um, it was something on LaMelo, and obviously LaMelo is probably the most popular guy in the draft because, you know, ball, family, and everything. But I read a little something about him, and he's interesting because he's – I feel like he's – I'm interested in him because he's a tall ball handler. But the thing is, like, I understand he was playing in the overseas league, but, like, I saw his splits, and his splits were not good at all. And I understand he was playing, like, in the adult league. And my just my concern is, like, it's kind of like the same thing with Lonzo. His shot's not, like, the the best. Uh, you wouldn't show that as like, as, like, a video to show someone how to shoot. And along with the fact his splits are not very good over when he was overseas, I'm just worried that that may not translate and he could have possibly the same problem as Lonzo. 
But I think he, after the uh, article I read, he definitely interests me as someone with a, a lot of potential. So he's just someone I'm keeping my eye on. I'll probably do a lot more reading, but as of right now, LaMelo is the most interesting one for me. No, definitely. I, I respect that. Like he had a, was it the, was it on Bleacher Report? No, it was, I believe it was, it probably was pissed and powered, honestly. Okay. Okay. Now he had a the Myron Fader at Bleacher Report did like a really good feature on Lamelo. It's just like Lamelo the human, right? Lamelo the uh, the Australian basketball player who's like the most famous basketball player outside of Australia, but he's in Australia now. So it's like it's just like this very weird dichotomy for him and like what his life was like. And so like that that little slice of that like made me less worried about taking LaMelo from like a quote unquote, like sideshow perspective. I know a lot of people are worried about LaVar. If you draft LaMelo, like I'm like, I don't know if you guys have noticed LaVar has been really quiet of lately. And like, so like, I am not really concerned about that. And I don't think that's a reason not to draft him, but like, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in LaMelo just like you are. Cause he's a tall ball handler. Unfortunately, because he's wrapped by CAA and CAA now runs the Knicks. Like, I don't think that's going to happen unless the Pistons are above the Knicks in the draft order. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, Koo. The, uh, the Pistons play the Bucks on Thursday. So we got to wait like four whole days for some NBA basketball. And then they play the Blazers on Saturday again to start that four game West Coast trip. You know, how many games do you feel comfortable about the Pistons losing? Uh, they're going to lose every game. And, uh, Woo. I, the the best the best the best question to ask the better question is to ask how many points will the Pistons combine for the next two games like will they combine for more than 180 points that that would be a more interesting question because they're about to get blown out in both these games and yeah. it's about to be bad yeah that's that's a good question I don't know like the Blazers have been really struggling like you know the Dame had that stretch where he was like in fuego and and they were winning but like he you know he just tweaked his groin like who knows he might not even play that game on Saturday uh Blazers have been like just as banged up as the Pistons have you know like obviously there are rumors there are rumors swirling about like Reggie Jackson maybe getting bought out and so we'll you know we'll see if the Pistons even have Reggie Jackson for that West Coast road trip obviously that would make them a much worse basketball team than they already are. Um, but, you know, but also like do a good job of furthering the goal of getting guys like Bruce Brown and Jordan bone, like reps with the ball in their hands. And so I'll be like, I will also be curious to see how many like points they score. I'll be more curious to see like how they, how they compete. Right. Like if the, if they're playing, like if you're playing dudes like Langston Galloway and Tony Snell and Markeith Morris, and it's like just a question of whether the shots go in or not, like that's one thing. But if you're, you know, competing on defense, you're competing on the glass. You know, they got they did a good job on the glass against Charlotte and they did a good job on the glass against Orlando despite uh, losing both of those games. Um, they did a uh, they did a poor job on the glass against the Knicks and it like really cost them. And so, like, I will be just be interested to see like what uh, like who this Pistons team like uh, competes well against like that. And like maybe we get some Luke Kennard in the not too distant future. Right. Like that should help the team. Maybe we get some Kyrie Thomas in the not too distant future, like as a guy who, um, you know, came into this, came into the the organization with a lot of promise, but like has been slow by injuries. Like it would be nice to get like a look at that guy to see like what he's got for if he's worth like keeping on the roster, honestly. And so like yeah, like 
there there are definitely things to to look at with this team, but like that they aren't necessarily pretty things to look at. No, yeah, actually, you brought up something that I personally really want to see, and it is Kyrie Thomas because it reminds me. Actually, it, it he's not like that similar to this person at all. It's just like kind of like the situation. I was young, so the situation may be a lot more complex than I remember it being. But kind of like with Chris Middleton, he was coming off with that injury when we drafted him, and like the front office drafted up to get Kyrie Thomas. Like they they didn't just pick him; they went up to go get him. And he has been slowed by injuries, but he, like even in the summer league this past season, I feel like he like showed a lot of promise. It's just that. In this, in this like direction the Pistons are going, you do not want to give up on a player because he's been slowed by injuries without giving him a real look. Because the worst thing that's going to happen is he leaves and becomes Chris Middleton once he gets healthy, and and you look stupid now because you never gave him a chance when he was healthy. So like, I I really want him to get that chance this season in these final twenty five games because like I said, if they end up letting him go and he never got to really prove anything, and then he goes somewhere else and turns into like a really good player once he gets healthy. I'll be very uh, disappointed. Yeah, part of me feels it'd be fun, it, part of me feels like it'd be kind of greedy to ask for Kyrie to be good because like you already got Bruce Ants V out of the second round of that draft. Yeah, and both of those guys look like at least rotation players, and so like getting three dudes who look like rotation players out of the second round in any single draft seems like just way too much to ask for. But you're right in that. You know, they, at that at this point in time, like the Pistons should not be in the business of like giving away stuff that could be stuff for free. Like they just exactly. shouldn't. Yeah. All right, cool. Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate you filling in for Ben. Uh, let the people know where they can find you, where they can find your work. Uh, let them shout them out. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kukahil MBA. I also am on YouTube. I make YouTube videos at Koo's Ballroom. And then, yeah, you can just follow me on Twitter. I get a lot of quotes after the games. And from the locker room, sometimes I get little videos like I have with Bruce Brown and my pin tweet. Go ahead and follow me on there to get some insight uh, after games. Yeah, man. Like uh, I've really, I've really enjoyed like watching your growth this season. We're all doing player development, uh, all sides of the yeah. Pistons fandom is doing player development this season. Thank you. Uh, of course, you can uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Last Chance. That's at L A Z C H A N C E. Uh, you know, you can listen to my other podcast, the Pistons versus Everybody podcast, wherever you found this one. Um, you can, you know, go to Detroit Bad Boys. Obviously, that's the best place for all your Pistons news and analysis this season. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. And we will talk to you guys next week.